Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. Well, David, welcome to our 10th episode. Our 10th? It's our 10th episode. Yes. Exciting stuff, right? <laughs> That's Double incredible. Digits. We're here. That we happened made it. fast. And, you know, it feels like you should get an honorary doctorate for your 10th episode because you're going to be giving out eye exams today, right? Isn't that what you're doing? Should we call you Dr. David? Because we're learning how to see? Is that yeah, what you're it's saying? It's all about sight. Yes. <laughs> Which is, I mean, people may think is impossible on a podcast. How is a that, podcast host going to give an eye exam to people? That actually took me a bit to make the connection. This is why I don't share for our listeners all of the notes with David ahead of time. I, w- I want to keep him on his toes a little bit. It just leads to better material. But that is my, that is my, my attempt at an introduction to this episode. I'm really excited to dive into the four qualities that we introduced last time. For episode 10, we're getting into the four qualities of a just leader that you unpack in your book by the same name. And today we're camping out around sight and seeing the whole playing field, which is quality number one. So I'm excited. You take quite a bit of time, David, in your book unpacking this quality. You spread it out over three different chapters. So there's there's a lot that we could unpack here, and we're really not going to have time necessarily to, to do it the way that you do it in the book. But you break down this quality into three different categories, what we need to see in ourselves, what we need to see in others, and what we need to see in our community. So could you just flush out that framework a little bit? Yeah, and let me, let me give some background, too, before I answer that specific question. As we get into all four of these qualities, it's important to recognize that being just is a journey, not a destination. And so this is something that, you know, we're always growing in. So as I walk through even answering this question, this is just a process that we go through. And and we're not experts either. I'm not an expert. Coming up with these qualities is not some magical formula that we put together. Certainly it's come from experience and things that we've learned, particularly from other leaders. But it is it is an ever growing ever-evolving process for us to be just leaders. We never graduate. Mm. So as we think about this first quality, what we need to see, this is really built around this idea that the first thing a just leader needs to do is, is to see. Typically, when injustice is in front of us, our very first question is, what do we need to do? Or what do we need to fix? And that really should not be our first question. Instead, we should be asking ourselves, what do we need to see? And we need to see those, like you said, Rob, in three areas. What do we need to see in ourselves? What do we need to see in others, in our community? 
for ourselves, we need to be great at understanding who we are. Hmm. If I were to say anything kind of in general about that category is we need to be incredibly self-aware. Know our strengths, know our weaknesses. We need to understand our need for God. We need to recognize our value, our need for others, and not being isolated and alone. We need to know our history. Uh, A lot of us may not have taken the time to understand our history, our family background, and really how we got to where we are. We also need to understand some of our unconscious biases, the things that we don't even know that we have inside of us that help us view the world in a certain way. And if we don't have someone looking at us and helping us see our blind spots or the things that we try to cover up, then it's really difficult for us to be just in our leadership. So that's ourselves. And others, we need to see some similar things. We need to understand their history, how what their story is. Hmm. We need to take the time to learn the stories of those we lead. We might think that that is an interruption or a waste of time, but that is incredibly important for us to know how they're wired, what makes them tick, gives real insight into how to lead them. We need to know their value, their strengths and weaknesses, what they're afraid of, things that really keep them from being confident in themselves, and how do we lead them through those things? Are there ways in which we need to help them overcome those fears? Are there times when we need to put them in situations where they're not having to face their fears because that would be better for them and for our organizations? And then to understand their dreams. One of the greatest things a leader can do is to help their people uncover their dreams and to even listen to those dreams that are rolling around in people's hearts and minds and seeing how the opportunity that they have to work at their business can help them achieve their dreams. And then finally, our community. We need to understand its history. That's a step that we all need to be intentional to do. It's really easy just to live in our communities and not understand how it was formed, what the industries were that really shaped our city, what were the decisions that were made, the people who had uh, opportunities to lead those decisions, um, and how uh, our city is set up in such a way that builds off of that history. When you understand its value, particularly those places that we do not know, uh, we need to make sure that we don't live in a in an area where we say those people over there, Hmm. we need to have a we orientation to our community and be very cognizant of the places where we do not frequent and become students and learn of those places, the street names, the churches, the businesses, the restaurants. And we also need to know where those in need live people who are marginalized. If we're going to be just, we need to connect to those people, as we talked about in the last episode. Mishpat, the word for justice in the Bible, is tied to restoring those who are most vulnerable. In order for us to know the most vulnerable people in our communities and understand their needs, we have to get close to them. So we need to be intentional about putting ourselves in places where we can get close to those in need. Hmm. So that's a quick overview of those three areas of where we need to see 
ourselves, others, and our community. I, I love this because it, it's, well, I love it and I also br- bristle against it. And I think for the same reason that a lot of our listeners are, because if you have, if you have caught a vision for justice and you begin to see injustice, it, you can almost feel like you're tapping your foot at wanting to get results, right? And really get into the doing really quick. A lot of leaders listening to our podcast, a lot of action-oriented people. You're not saying that action is the enemy. You're saying we need to move and do, but we got to see first. You don't want to do the action flying blind. That's right. And just kind of throw darts with a blindfold on, hoping you hit the target when it comes to being just or addressing injustice. And that's difficult. I would say especially difficult. Maybe you could speak to this a little bit, David, for our target audience for the book, The Just Leader. It's it's the business leadership community, and it's very much a result-oriented space. Having results and trying to measure issues around justice, it's not a bad thing. But what you're describing around sight and seeing whole people knowing their stories, knowing your story, so you can know the story of your community, it's pretty abstract. And I imagine that can be the part that is easily skippable to the doing, because the doing just, honestly, it's easier to track. And then it feels better because we we can track what we're doing, what we're not doing, versus this is harder to get a score on, right? Could you speak to maybe how how this you imagine this landing for a business leader listening and how why it's important to camp out here before you move on to the other qualities and and towards the action? Yeah, well, it takes real discipline to see, and when we are wired to fix problems or to provide solutions, it may not be our knee jerk reaction that we just quickly move to that solving of the problem. But I think we all have had experiences where we know that if we don't understand the context, if we don't understand the history, then we're going to misdiagnose the problem. And everything that we do to provide the solution will actually take us in a wrong direction. It may even take us in a destructive Mm. direction. And I think as hard as this is naturally as business leaders or leaders of organizations who are used to operating quickly or have a sense of urgency that they have to operate with speed. And we're not necessarily saying that you have to be slow because oftentimes there's some things that are broken that need to be fixed that need to be fixed very quickly. Hmm. But you can take the posture of seeing even quickly in ways that allow you to make sure that you're diagnosing the problem rightly, you have all of the context that you need in order for you to make a uh, well-informed decision or take your people in a direction that they need to go. And, you know, we talked about this last time that just being a just leader or, you know, the understanding of God's heart for justice is about who he is, not just what he does. The hope is that this becomes part of who we are. It's almost like we're putting on new glasses and we're now viewing the world through those glasses. And so we, it becomes 
automatic in terms of how we start to view the world through the lenses of justice or being a just leader so that we're more conditioned then to see things that other people may not be able to see because we're now paying attention to the things that are really, really important. We're at the center of what, again, God's heart for justice allows us then to see, to address the things in front of us. And you mentioned this in the last episode of the importance of having a vision for our leadership. I love that you start here because to me, this is what grounds the journey. This is what keeps you grounded as you move forward towards action, which is what we'll get to in that fourth quality, bold and courageous action. It's not that we're not getting there, but you're really setting this up so that that action can be sustainable and that you're rooted in something and honestly being justified in Christ, right? Where this isn't about my identity. And man, talk about a new stream like we talked about last time, David. In our culture today, the word justice, which we unpacked last episode, it is so much getting lost in, in people's identities. And for us, we it is God's identity. And it should be part of ours, but we don't have to grasp at performance to prove to others how just we are because we have been justified by God. And so I think the way in which it we can we can slow down to really understand our story and other stories and the story of our community because we've been justified and we can have a restful posture, not to go slower than we need to, but we're okay with going slow sometimes but having a sense of urgency to not go slower than is necessary, I guess, to address injustice. And it's not frenetic. As you're saying that, I know there are just some questions that just start to surface from our listeners because some of this seems pie in the sky. Like, you don't know my environment. We've got to operate with real agility and, you know, quick to solve problems. We have to be profitable. to, to sit and take the time to think through all these things is just not realistic. Well, we're going to get to that. Mm. Hang in there because we understand that this is very complex and it's it's not meant to be pie in the sky, but it does require extraordinary leadership. We even describe it as world-class leadership because leaders are thinking about many other things, those who are just compared to other leaders who don't who don't go down this road. And again, but it brings us fullness of life and communities that are flourishing and so it's well worth it. Mm. Can you unpack or give us an example maybe from the book that you use to help flush this this concept out around seeing and how important it is to see the whole playing field? Yes, so in the category of seeing others, the story that I describe in the book is with my very close friend and colleague, uh, Shay, who came to work for me at Jobs for Life. And as a result of circumstances that um, I describe in the book, I was just compelled to take some steps. It wasn't natural for me but I was compelled to take the time to listen to her story. And as a result of listening to her story, it honestly, it changed everything. It changed the way I engaged her and had her come and work for our organization. And unbeknownst to me at the time, it changed the way 
Shay viewed people like me and the way she viewed herself. And it created for us a unique working relationship where we not only felt a deep sense of connection to our mission, but a real relationship with one another that allowed us to to grow our work. And it was th- these kinds of feelings that we had and developed because of that connection permeated the rest of our team and allowed us to really experience just a real vibrant relationship and culture and sense of mission together. Hmm. Never would have happened if I had not taken the time to listen to her story. And as Shay described to me, because others hadn't done that for her before, it had that kind of impact that we were able to have. So I'm, I, I want to, the, the story is so fun for me to think about, but I don't want to give all of it away. So I hope that you enjoy I'll it if you it. get well, a book I'll, and, and read I'll it. Add, I'll add there a little bit more without giving too much away. In this section of the book, you say, it's easy for us to miss learning people's stories. It requires intentionality, patience, a willingness to be vulnerable by genuinely being interested in others. It takes time, which none of us seems to have an excess of. Sometimes we think people's stories are irrelevant to what we're trying to do or accomplish. This could not be further from the truth. And it sounds like Shay is a real-life example to you of, of this embodied, right? Of you taking the time to get to know her, entering into her story, empathizing with her story, letting her know your story, being vulnerable. And that, that takes time. But it is, is well worth it, and it's what is now given you, both of you more sight into each other's lived experience, right? Which is then positions you to be more just in your leadership for people who, have, who are coming from a different background or lived experience than you. Yeah, and some leaders would think that this is extra work that you have to do if you have time, right? Right. It's an add-on. It's an add-on. But this, no, is your work. It is the work. It is the work. It's the it major, is, not it's the minor. It's the major, not the minor. It's, it's being interruptible hmm. by your people and, in this case, their stories. Gives you the context to lead in ways that allow you to move in the right direction for them, for you, and for the whole organization. So as we land the plane here, David, you get practical in the book, which I love. You're telling stories, you're putting out some rich theological concepts, but you're also giving people some really practical advice around how they could live these things out. So what are some of the things you unpack in the book that leaders who do this well, who see really well, what are they really good at? There's a lot, but I articulate six qualities of leaders who are really good seers. One, they're curious. They're people who are curious to find out about what's going on with others, not just what they do, but, you know, again, what makes them tick, the things that are motivating them, etc. They're great at asking questions, and they ask great questions, not just surfacey questions, but they They think of questions and are intentional about those questions that get to the heart of the matter. They're fantastic listeners. And this is hard. This is hard for a lot of leaders because, again, we 
don't want to be distracted with what is on our plate and we don't want to be interrupted. And it takes a lot of attention to be attentive, to listen well. So they're great listeners. Therefore, they're fully present. They're not distracted, looking away, having good eye contact, making sure the person is the most important person in the room. They follow through. They are, are, they do what they say they're going to do to reconnect with that person and to make sure that connection is solid. And then they're just not in a rush. They know that this is a process. Sometimes, you know, they're listening over time, not just in one instance, but in most cases, they are attentive to maintain that connection over time with people and understand that this is a process so they're not in a rush. Those are six. I'm sure our listeners can think of many more. But again, you can see the posture of this for a leader and the importance of being really committed to paying attention to our people. Hmm. Well, we always ask what the bottom line is, so we'll keep going with this. When it comes to seeing the whole playing field, David, what's the takeaway for our listeners that you'd like to leave them with? Bottom line, I think for this, Rob, is, and it might have already been understood as people have been listening, but it takes a leader who has margin to be able to do this. Someone who's very proactive with their time and their schedule has built in uh, rest Hmm. within the way that they work so that they can be attentive to people and to give time to invest in their people. So if you're a leader who's just frenetic and you feel like you're just a hamster in a wheel, it's difficult to get your mind around having this part of a a central way in which you lead. But I I want to encourage you to take some steps to think through how do you have margin? How do you build in rest? How are you proactive with your schedule to make sure that you know you're going to be interrupted? And when you get interrupted by your people, you want to be all there. You want to be all present. You want to be attentive. You want to be engaged. You want to give them value. So find ways in which you can do that because this this is the first step, hmm. being a leader who sees. And once you do that, that sets you up for what's coming next in ways where you don't have to undo some things that you may have to undo. Hmm. I love, if, if I'm rephrasing what you say, you the idea of people listening to this episode saying, man, there's a, there's a real cost to trying to live this out. And you're kind of flipping that on, around and turning the table saying, there's a cost to not doing this and to continuing at the pace you're doing. And you think you're being more efficient, maybe in the short term, more productive. But if you're missing out on seeing the whole playing field, you don't know your own story. You don't know the story of the people you lead. You don't know the story of your community. Then there's a cost involved there too that is is hard to calculate maybe sometimes until it's too late and so this is this is a proactive approach to saying what does it mean to have rest at the center of being a just leader which is honestly not where i'm sure a lot of listeners think that you were going to land the plane right those two words are usually not used often in the same sentence and i, I think that it would deserve its own episode later which we'll probably circle back to and, and give it more dedicated time to flush that out because there's there's so much we could say about mm-hmm. that one for sure. Um, all right, David. Well, quality number one in the books. We're there in the we double digits now. Yeah. And we're just going to keep rolling from here. Next on deck, building cultural competency. 
Yeah, put your seatbelt on. Get ready. Are you sure you're not a doctor? You said there's no experts because I feel like we're gonna we're, <laughs> we're gonna need some expertise on this one, David. <laughs> we'll wait and see. What, what to be determined? It'll be yeah. great. We're gonna give it our best shot. How about that? That's right. It's All a right. process, right? <laughs> it's a journey. Mm-hmm. All right. Next leg is coming up. All right, man. All right. Thank you. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals 1-1, then spelled out T-E-N, leadership.com. That's 1-1-T-E-N, leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.